0: Cotney Attorneys and Consultants is dedicated to helping the construction industry with legal, business, and safety challenges. Welcome to this week's episode of Law & Mortar with John Kenney and Trent Cotney.
1: Hey, this is Trent Cotney. I'd like to welcome everybody to another episode of Law & Mortar. As always, I've got John Kenney here with me. John, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you doing today? Good, good. we got a lot of news to talk about. You know, one of the things that's been real interesting is all the snowstorms. Uh, you know, we're kind of lucky here in Florida. We don't really know what snow is, but uh, and talking with a lot of the contractors up in Chicago in particular, they've got 15, 18 inches on the ground, and uh, obviously that causes a lot of problems on roofs. Um, you know, roof collapse, uh, the danger of falling snow, all that kind of stuff is a potential issue, but there is the opportunity to make some money out there. Um, What I want to talk about, I guess, in our first subject is snow removal. Um, I'd like to ask you to kind of talk about the business side of things. And then I'm going to come in and talk about some, some potential liability issues that contractors may have with it. So, John, what, you know, how would you, if you're a, a roofing contractor up there and let's say your, your crews can't do a lot of roofing work, given the temperatures and snow, How can you repurpose them for this type of maintenance work? So one of our clients up in New Jersey is doing exactly that. They're out shoveling
0: snow right now. They've they've also had a lot of snow in that area, the Northeast. So a couple things, Um, if you're not already pre-set up with a special, you know, division that can handle that, if you're not normally geared for the winter, best thing to do is one, let your client know the expectations of what it's going to cost to remove the snow. What I mean by that is it, there's nothing worse than a client calling you up, hey, come remove my snow, and you've got three, four, five guys out there for an entire day, and they get a bill for $10,000, and they're like, I'm not paying this. So it's best to be right up front, either give them an hourly wage, you know, an hourly rate for your crew, and say it's going to take us four hours to do it, not to exceed, or just give them a lump sum price, because you you probably won't get paid unless you do that. So that's the other one. The other side of business is... Be cautious when you're taking the snow off. Uh, Make sure you have, you know, one is you don't wanna cause damage to the existing roof system and create more leaks. And I'd absolutely recommend, which I know you'll get into that again, when you're upfront giving your price, you you put some stipulations in there about existing roof conditions and not responsible for damage. But there's good money to be made in it. It's, 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 It's instant money, it's out being repaired. Get a credit card up front if you can. So from a business side, there's a lot of upside as long as you do it correctly.
1: Yeah. And, and what I'm telling contractors is, is anytime that you're doing anything that's temporary in nature like that, regardless of whether it's putting on a blue roof, it's, you know, removing snow, uh, even if you let's say you're using drones, you want to consider having a separate company for liability purposes. And the contract documents that you give out, the proposal that you gives out needs to make it crystal clear that uh, you are not accepting any liability with regard to any damage to the roof. You're solely out there to remove snow. You're still out there to put a tarp on whatever it might be and you need to make absolutely clear that there's no warranties involved right but if you do that it's a great way to you know make some side cash while you're waiting for the weather to get better so you can get back to doing re-roofs and and uh, you know service type work so John next thing I want to talk to you about is contracts and You know, I mentioned a little bit about contracts there and the importance of kind of understanding, you know, combining the business aspect with the legal aspect. We review hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of contracts a week, right? And it's it's part of our job responsibility to kind of go through it. But one of the things that we often hear from customers is, hey, you know, we don't have a lot of negotiating capability. Just help me understand what the issues are. And that's one of the things that we try to do is, is obviously if the client wants revisions, we'll do that. But at the end of the day, it's about kind of going into a project, understanding what the potential risks are. Now, John, I know you served as a as a chief estimator, and you've obviously got a lot of experience in that. I know that we're we're going to be doing some estimator training through the consulting side of the company. Um, as an estimator, as someone that was that was taking a look at contracts, what what did you look for in your contracts? What were you clued into from the roofing contractor side of things? Not a legal side.
0: Yeah, so from the estimating side. Uh, so you're you're actually the first front line, right? So take all the legal out of it. So the important things that you need to go through as an estimator is one. Verify the scope of work that you're being contracted for is actually the scope of work that you prepared your estimate for. I know that sounds very basic and simple. But I can't tell you how many times I've seen in, in, as, as a chief estimator or even as a COO in the larger aspect of it see that the, the contract does not even match the proposal scope of work the estimator did it wasn't checked the other things you want to look out for is um, what you know what you bid in there as far as time duration schedule not looking at it from an operational, but at least make sure that if you have x amount of man hours for a size crew and you figured the job was gonna take 10 weeks and you look at the contract and they're giving you three weeks to do, I would be very cautious with that and get with your operations team immediately because that means you gotta put a lot more manpower on there than the way you looked at the job. Um, So those are the things you wanna look for along with, um, the other thing, just go back to snow for a minute. So as an estimator, uh, you know, I was up in the Northern States, the big thing they try to put in there is snow removal to keep the project going at all times is on the roofer while well, that's usually buried somewhere in your scope of work or you know job conditions those are the things you need to look at so stay away from the legal stuff because you're not going to you know it's not really your job to understand it but look at scheduling look at safety uh, items that are required look at if you know someone put in there you got to do stretch and flex in the morning you got to do x amount of this you got to go for a job site orientation are those things you had in your bid or not in your bid and then most importantly when you get that done go somewhere there's always an attachment exhibit that lists what documents you're you're contracting to were those the documents you bid off of maybe you bid off of a certain date you know the plans have a date specs have a date look at those make sure you're on the correct revision because time and time again i have seen contractors and owners slip in a revised drawing at the contract stage that you haven't looked at yet and if you sign that you're going to be stuck with the pricing those are the most important things to look
1: at from that standpoint. Yeah, and that's that's a good point. You know, what we found over and over again is that the majority of the legal problems that are out there in the industry, really 90% of them could be fixed with better business practices. And a lot of it is making sure that your your sales staff, your estimators, that they're that they've got the right idea when they're when they're looking at stuff. It's not just about numbers. You got to look at the big picture and understand what the potential risk is. So, John, I know you had something interesting this week that I'd like to talk to the audience about. And and um, I guess let me kind of take a step back. You know, under AIA contracts, there's a a um, dispute process known as an initial initial decision maker (IBM). And what it is is it allows you to kind of get on a job site and basically make decisions there you know you're basically a de facto arbitrator where you get to make you know ball strike calls on a project with the idea that that uh, you don't have to hire the lawyer nobody loves, likes lawyers you want to be able to figure out what it is but you need somebody that's got some know-how some knowledge and um, it's been an effective way to help resolve disputes before you got to get into arbitration or litigation so john i know you know basically you've got 45 years plus experience, everybody knows you in the industry. And I understand somebody actually reached out to you to have you kind of serve in this role. So, you know, what are your thoughts on that? And do you, do you see an opportunity for some of this maybe in the future? I mean, I, I think, I, I know when I'm on the side of representing a contractor, it's a lot of my battle is is not just explaining what the law is, but explaining construction and how it works to a judge or an arbitrator, it'd be nice to actually have somebody that understands it. So, you know, what do you think about that? And do you think this is something that you might be doing a little bit more on? Yeah. It's uh, you know, when I was on the actual contracting side,
0: you got to do a lot of this for the company you're working for, you know, called internal dispute resolution. You actually could get a lot of this taken off the plate. Everybody comes to a reasonable decision right on the job site. And and a lot of times it's never as great an issue as it's portrayed as. So the important part about that is resolve the issues as much as you can on the job. And then on our end coming in as an independent party looking at it, it it, it really helps bring the two sides together. And and I'll tell you, I I found through 45 years that over 95% of what could end up being a huge legal issue down the road can really be resolved on the job site with a little give and take negotiations back and forth. Because really, unless you're really working for someone that has made the decision before they've contracted anyone that they're going to litigate, because that's their business plan, no one really wants to litigate. They want every party to get a little bit of something to be happy. So yeah, I do see a great, uh, you know, demand in, in the future in doing that.
1: Yeah, I, I really do. I, I, and this is unusual for a lawyer to say, but uh, avoiding court is is always a good strategy because rarely, you know, even if you're a victor, sometimes it's a pyrrhic victory and you wish you hadn't gone that route, given the time and expense it takes to get there. So uh, I'm all for trying to resolve things, you know, ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. Mm-hmm. As always, we like to end with a question, and we've got a lot of questions in the backlog, so we're trying to get through them. This one came in a few months ago, but we're just getting to it now. It's from our, our good friend Jerry. Jerry is asking about uh, pay-of-paid clauses, contingent payment, and uh, for those of you that don't know what that is, uh, it affects subcontractors primarily. So if you are in a sub-type position, you could be a sub or a sub-sub, whatever it might be it says you are not going to get paid until the owner pays the contractor, the prime contractor, right? It's a contingent payment, meaning that you're basically uh, praying that the owner pays your customers so that you get paid by them and that you won't get paid until they get paid. So uh, many states allow this, but some states have prohibitions against it. And one of the things that we always do when reviewing contracts, it doesn't matter whether it's on the, the legal side or the consulting side, is to try to revise that provision to the extent that we can and make it pay within a reasonable time uh, and away from that contingency. So the key things that you need to watch out for is if it says it's it's a conditioned precedent or it's conditioned upon, that's usually the magic language that signals to me that it's a contingent payment clause and you need to watch out for it. So John, I, I know back in your contracting days, you often, you know, got hit with the, uh, the pay of pay clause. And, you know, it's kind of thing where sometimes it's hard to negotiate, but understanding that and being able to navigate that out in the field, I think is also important.
0: Yeah, you know, and, you know, it's in there. And if you start to feel the payment may not be coming or it's going to be late, that's when you got to exercise your uh, abilities and your right to slow down the amount of men you got on the job or stop work or, or something. I mean, there's and it, it sometimes it can get ugly. But there's nothing worse than putting work in place and not getting paid for it.
1: Yeah, and practice pointer here. You know, sometimes it, it requires being crafty to figure out ways around it. If you can't revise it in your contract, sometimes you can. You're able to revise it out in the field. And what I mean by that is, if you can convince your customer to make a partial payment on something you're owed, even if they haven't been paid, you may have a potential waiver argument there. This doesn't work in every state, but it works in some. So keep that in mind. Just because a contract says something. Yeah, there's usually a way around it. If there wasn't, then I wouldn't have a job. So with that, I want to thank everybody for uh, for listening. As always, if you guys have any questions for us, please feel free to uh, contact us. My email is tcotney at cotteneycl.com. John, how can they get you? J. Kenny, J-K-E-N-N-E-Y at cotneycl.com. We appreciate you guys and stay tuned next week for another episode of Law & See you next week.